Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 21 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go say Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother, Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Pretty well. Uh, I'm exhausted. I am barely holding on to Sanity, Matt, by a thin, thin thread. But, you know. All right. Well, that should make for a good episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be good. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, well, I guess let's just get into it. Dave... Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Uh, our first star of the week, Matt, is the reason that I am barely holding on to my sanity and sense of integrated self by a thread, is that uh, the show is over. It's over for the year, except the one acts, which will be later. But the show is over. Uh, it, was, it was a success. The crowds were not as much as I would have hoped, but still good. Um, you know, there were only a few, like, minor heart attacks each night, so no major sure, heart attacks. I, that's to be expected. Yeah, yeah, so I managed to survive, so that was good. I survived, Beth survived, the kids survived. So, you know, a net positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and this is actually super exciting, because this is the first time this has happened, we made a profit. We turned. We actually managed to turn a profit on the show. I only ended up putting out about a thousand dollars in like materials and supplies and like blah 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 blah, and we made in. We pulled in like eighteen hundred. So we're up money. Which listen, man, if you are up money in any theatrical production, it's a success. Like yeah, you can't really. Yeah, ask you know for a whole you're doing lot. something right. Yeah, there. you can't ask for a whole lot more than that. So I was at strike today. We tore the set down. You know. Um, so that's it. That's pretty much... Sorry, it's not like a funny... It's not a funny star. It's just, I don't know, a deep-seated sigh of relief star. <laughs> no, I get that, man. I totally get that. Um, okay, so our second star of the week. Um, now, Dave, I am going to... Okay. Send you a link in our Skype window here. All right. I am... And I want you to open it, for it and... L I've got it. Okay. So. I want you to tell me what you see. This is just... I want to make sure I'm clicking the right thing. Rangerboard.com show thread, right? That's the one. Okay, I'm pulling it up. So I see the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at the top. Or you want me to show the picture... It's the picture. It's the picture in the thread. Let me just describe it to the listeners it's here. A dude, what we're looking a gold at suit and a star face. This, this is the sixth ranger for the upcoming uh, Shuriken Sentai Ninjer. He looks cool, man. Uh, where, where they're all ninjas, but this dude is not a ninja, or maybe he is also a ninja, but primarily visually, he is a cowboy. Oh yeah, he um, is. Yeah, I he's got of, like the picture didn't I okay, I see. So like the sides of the star is hat brim. He's got a little fringe on his vest. Yeah, his 
it's amazing. Like his outfit, like his armor sort of looks like a poncho with a neckerchief. Oh yeah. And his helmet is shaped like a uh cowboy hat. Uh let me tell you a few other things about this guy, Dave. Dude, the more I'm looking his, at this, the more genius it is. His robot is like a giant uh bull. Okay. I think. It's either a bull or a bison. Um the weapon that he uses is a sword. That is also like an electric guitar. And the way he changes into his ranger form is his device is like a mobile phone that looks like a cheeseburger. And the slice of cheese in that cheeseburger is a star that is also a shuriken that is also a sheriff's badge. Whoa, wait, wait. Sorry, Matt. Just run through that one more time with me so I could properly visualize okay. it. Okay. Got a cell phone. It, it it looks like a cheeseburger. Okay. Uh, when you open up the top, it's sort of like a flip phone cheeseburger. Uh, the slice of cheese is yellow, of course. Um, it is in the shape of a star, which is also which doubles as two things: both a sheriff's badge and a shuriken. Wow. So, the the great thing about this. As I don't know anything about uh, Ninninger, like, I haven't been keeping up with, like, the news about it. But, like, with the electric guitar and the cheeseburger and the cowboy stuff, it almost seemed as though, like, the people sitting around, like, you know, let's make someone look American. What Amer- what's, what's American? <laughs> oh, a guitar, guitar with, like, flames on it? Sure. Cheeseburgers? Yes. Cowboys? Of course. And they just sort of crammed it all into one dude and teamed him up with a bunch of ninjas. And so, listen, I, I, I am on the record as being disappointed that they went with ninjas again instead of going with what I think is a slam dunk idea and finally giving us the, the, uh, luchador rangers that we've all needed for our entire lives. Dude, yeah, but, I would, that would be pretty great. But if they're giving me like a weird like hyper american cowboy ranger i will forgive everything i was going to say to be fair all of those things are super american oh yeah uh you know what that reminds me of matt is um shoot gundam z gundam is it z gundam that had all like the super nationalistic yes that was exactly what i was thinking of when i saw dude, this dude i i think that is my favorite gundam like, I'm not a giant, like, Gundam series fan. Like, it's fine, but, like, whatever. But, dude, I just cannot get enough of Z Gundam. It's so good. Like, the weird mariachi-looking uh, Mexican one. And I didn't the one from Holland, wasn't it, like, in the shape of a windmill? Yeah. Am I, yeah, am the, I no, the imagining one from, that? I no, you are not. The one from Holland, actually, it can transform... Like, the arms will, like, pop inside, and it will actually turn into a windmill. And Holland's strategy was that they would just, like, hide for most of the fight. And then wow. pop out to, like, fight the winner. But, dude, it was so good. There's, like, there's like a Canadian lumberjack Gundam. And, uh, like, the one from... Uh, crap i forget there's one that has like a giant zebra shield the chinese one has like dragon arms like it's super cool yeah that show was great yeah also like it was just fun it was a fun show just to look at i don't remember if the show itself was good but like the design of the show was super yeah i don't remember either i do it was also kind of racist 
Like, the Mexican one definitely just had, like, a big robot sombrero, you know, like... Oh, yeah. But uh, the American one was fantastic. The American one is so good. Like, the dude who's the pilot, I forget what his name is, but he's, like, a descendant of Davy Crockett, right? And the robot itself has, like, a football helmet, and then it's got shoulder pads... And it can take the shoulder pads off, and they become boxing gloves. And it also has like a giant, like six shooter, like a Gundam size six shooter. It's fantastic. Because of course it, does. Of course it does. What else would it have? Yeah, it's football uh, and guns. The only thing that actually really bums me out about Z Gundam is that, of course, like you know, the main character is Japanese, but the Japanese Z Gundam, just like, is it Z Gundam? I don't think it is actually. I'd, okay, whichever I, I, Gundam I, I it is, I'm sure know. somebody who is listening to the show knows exactly which Gundam we were talking about. I don't remember which one it, it is. But whichever it is, the Japanese Gundam is not, like, super nationalistic. It's just kind of yeah, like a it just generic, looks like a Gundam. It's cool looking. It's cool looking, but it's not like... It's not like super Japanese. It's not like a samurai Gundam. It's just a yeah. It's a giant robot, which I felt was really a a missed opportunity on their part. On the other hand, giant robots themselves kind of are like the uh, the Japanese version of an American descendant of Davy Crockett with like okay. a football helmet and a giant six shooter. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like if the whole genre is Japanese, like natively then just having that thing sort of is very Japanese. I, I honestly don't know, and I'm a little worried that we sound kind of racist right now. Mm. Do we? If we do, we apologize. But let's just move on, if that's the case. Okay, let's let's take a big step away from this one. So, Dave, what is our third star of the week? Man, our third star of the week is uh, kind of a weird house thing. All right. So, I own a house and uh like a couple of days ago this is actually sometime last weekend there's like this weird flapping like i'm sitting in my living room and i hear like this flapping sound i was like what the heck is this and then i stop and i don't hear it i'm like okay well maybe it's just you know this is the house settling or some weird thing and then i i'm doing something else and i hear it again i was like what the heck is this and i I go over to my uh, fireplace because I have a fireplace and I hear this like, and I hear this like frenzied flapping against the flue, which was closed. And I was just like, holy okay. crap, there's, got a, there's like a bird in there. Like a bird must have fallen down or, you know, like it tried kind of copped down through the chimney or something because I got to get a chimney cap because I don't have one. And, uh, and it couldn't get out because birds can't, fly straight up like they can only you know what i mean like they can't get out of a vertical chimney there's a apparently there's only one bird that can get out of a vertical chimney and it's called the chimney sweep specifically because it can get out of a chimney oh well there you go there you go but they're only native to like england or something so anyways so i'm like well i gotta get this you know i can't like i don't want to deal with this bird right because i don't know what to do and like i've got cats and like the you know birds like carry diseases or whatever and so i call the the pest control guy. I call this guy out and I'm like, Hey, I got a bird in my chimney. He's like, no problem. I'll be out in like an hour. So he comes out. 
He's like doing all sorts of stuff. He's like trying to get up there with like a grabber and sheets and he's like got gloves on and all this junk. Can't get the bird out, right? Right. And he's like, well, listen, man. He's like, I hate to tell you this. He's like, the bird may have been just like falling in like a crack and like the thing and like a hole somewhere. And uh, he's like, I can't get it out. It's not, I can't get it out and I can't even see it. So he's like, but on the upside, if it just dies back there, like apparently birds don't really stink if they, like when they die, like when they decompose, like they're so, they're basically just like feathers and bones or something. So like they don't really smell bad. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. But okay. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, I think no more of it. Next day, hear this flapping again. And I'm like, dang, this bird got next to the flu again. So he's like, so I, so I call the guy back out. He comes back out. He's, you know, he's trying to get up in there. He pulls it. He's got like a, a video camera on like a, like a <laughs> thing that he can like put up there to look. He can't see it. He's like, all right, man. He's like, listen. He's like, I'm going to put these like super sticky glue traps up there and I'm going to tie them to your fireplace grate. So if the bird kind of gets out, then you'll be able to like, it'll be stuck on the thing and you'll just be able to like, you know, he's like, grab a sheet or a bag and like do whatever or like call me and I'll come back out and deal with it. I was like, all right, cool. So next day, I think no more of it. I'm like, the bird's probably dead. I can't hear it. So, <laughs> so the next day, I wake up out of bed and, uh, you know, I like go downstairs because my, my bed is up in the attic and uh, I don't know why that's relevant, but I just said it. So anyway, so my bed's up in the attic. I walk downstairs, you know, attend to my sort of morning ritual, right? Of course. I come back upstairs. I get dressed. I turn around to go back downstairs and I look at the ground and there's a dead bird just sitting on the floor in my bedroom and i'm like what the heck and i just you know like i start like i jump back i'm like what the heck uh except i exclaimed a little bit more vociferously than that and uh and like sure enough there is just like a dead bird on my so it had somehow gotten out past all the traps and i don't know like if it just fell out or whatever i think it must have flown out because uh, my cats clearly like picked it up and brought it upstairs, but they uh, the fireplace grate was not disturbed. So clearly, this bird flew out, and the cats killed it. So a hundred bucks to the pest control guy, zero murderous house cats, one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was actually super annoyed that I called the guy out. I was like, I should have just let let it be. Cats would have killed it. All right. So our uh, our fourth star of the week is um actually sort of comes to us from one of our listeners. Um as we've mentioned before, we are on Facebook and we got a message from uh, let's see, what was his name? I don't remember, but it is uh G Gundam Matt. Mobile Fighter G Gundam, not Z Gundam. Oh, thank you. Anyway, the guy wrote to us and he apparently knows uh Japanese, I think. He knows more than we do, clearly. Yeah, I only took a semester and a half of Japanese, and so I can, like, recognize some words that are said on the show, but, like, would be useless trying to actually tell you what's going on without the subtitles. Right. But apparently this guy does not have that same limitation. Um, 
And he was noting that some of the things that we have talked about are probably not actually like weird things in the show, but rather weird things in the translation that we watch. We're watching the uh, the TV Nihon uh, subtitles, if anyone's curious. Um, and yeah, so there were a few bits where like we were laughing at something and it wasn't actually what was happening in the show. It was just what was happening in the subtitles. Oh, okay. And I almost, I, I started to feel a little bad about that. And then I remembered that, like, we're here to make jokes about Tag Ranger. And <laughs> right. if we can get weird, like, goofy stuff out of the subtitles, then, uh, they're doing sort of half the work for us. And I'm not going to complain about yeah, that. Yeah, for real. But, um, if in the future you, the listener, sort of note something that we mess up, um, again, we're not experts or anything. We're just watching a TV show and talking about it. So if there's something that we miss or misinterpret and you want to let us know, um, just, Drop us a line. It's uh, SuperSentaiBrothers at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, check us out. So that is our four-star of the week, and thank you very much to Elliot Hunter for pointing it hey. out. Hey. All right. Thanks, Elliot. Okay. And so, Dave, what is our fifth star of the okay. week? Okay. So I'm going to diverge kind of wildly here, Matt. So I love sandwiches, which you know, but I don't think we ever shared in the context of the podcast. But I love a good sandwich. And uh, so I was at the Westside Market the other week. And there is a stand. And I can't remember what it's called. But this dude makes the best, like, old world style, like, German uh, cold cuts, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. He makes, like, like liverwurst and, like, blah, 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 blah. But this dude just doesn't just make liverwurst. He makes, like, all sorts of, like... Like weird variations of liverwurst. Yeah, I think I know the stand you're talking about, and I also forget its name. But they do like a really great like smoked goose liver sort of deal. Yeah, like it's a whole bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, um, and I love liverwurst, and so I was like, I was thinking, I was like, I'm gonna have a liverwurst sandwich, and I was like, you know what would be good on that? Pickles and a little mustard. And I just immediately, right. I I immediately felt. Like an old man, you know what I mean. Like I felt yeah. like I was like I was in like the forties. Like, give me a liverwurst sandwich, but put a little mustard and like, like what liverwurst and mustard and pickles? It just felt like such an old timey, like depression era sandwich. <laughs> like you just wandered into a diner, like, hey there, hey there, young missy. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um. But I trusted my instincts, and it paid off, because that sandwich was delicious. Dude, speaking of old man sandwiches, I love olive loaf. Yeah, you like, are like I the love only person I know who loaf. loves olive loaf. I don't um, even know other old time, people who like olive loaf. Well, I remember, I was one time I walked into um, the grocery store, and I went up to the deli counter, and I was like, ah, I would like half a pound of olive loaf. And uh, the person just looked at me, and she was like, Really? Like, yeah, yeah, give me some olive loaf. And then she said that I was the youngest person by 35 years to ever order olive loaf. (laughs) I have no doubt that that is true. Like, it is me and 60-year-olds. Yeah, man. (laughs) Our uh, our buddy Jamin used to, uh, I think he finally quit smoking, but he smoked for years and years, and he smoked Lucky Strikes. And he had a similar experience. Like, he walked into a gas station, and he's like, give me a pack of Lucky Strikes. And there's this, like, old, like, grizzled, old, bearded 
old grizzled man <laughs> like commanding the counter <laughs> and he's like give me a pack of lucky strikes and the guy's like what it's like you know, pack, give me a pack of lucky strikes and the guy's like i know two people who smoke lucky strikes you and me <laughs> uh i used to uh i used to work at a gas station there was this one guy tom who would come in every day oh, told and me about two tom. packs of lucky strikes oh dude and i remember i told him like listen tom like if you come in once every other day and buy three packs, there's like a discount. Like you get them at the sort of – basically, I don't know if it's still this way. But back when I worked at BP, um, you know, however many years ago, mm-hmm. if you bought three packs of cigarettes, you got them at sort of like the carton price. Oh, right on. You know, it was just like a discount yeah, like, thing for – Yeah, no, it makes sense. You know, people who are ruining themselves. But um, I told them like, listen, you can buy three – like, skip a day, and then buy three again, you'll get the same amount, and you'll pay less. He said, no, because if I buy three packs of Lucky Strikes, I'm going to smoke three packs of Lucky Strikes today. Okay. Like, I don't stop smoking because, like, you know, I run out of time. I stop smoking because I run out of cigarettes, and then I have to come <laughs> back the next day. You know, that, uh, you know, Tom sounds like he's a man who knows himself, you know? Yeah. Uh... He didn't even have to come to the gas station, like, to get gas. He rode his bike to the gas station. Oh, so this was purely a cigarette transaction. It was just for the cigarettes, yeah. Nice. And occasionally some orange pop. Oh, right on. Uh, you know, actually, and I just was thinking about this, the thing that made the sandwich that much better is that Beth, I don't know if I told you this, Beth, my wife, has been on a real bread baking kick recently. Okay. Like, she just decided, she's like, I am going to learn how to make a challah like challah bread and so she has just like every week she on like friday or whatever she makes like two or three loaves and she's been getting like better and better and better at it and she she's finally kind of like got it down so i had it on like delicious homemade bread it was killer she got some really great advice shout out uh from a subreddit called breadit okay uh that is just a bunch of people who are into baking bread which is pretty neat so yeah, delicious liverwurst. I think I'm actually going to have one while we watch the episode, Matt. Liverwurst, right. mustard, and pickles. Speaking of watching the episode, um, uh, let's do that now. It is episode 21. The title is The Birth of a Mythical Chi-Beast. Ooh, I think I know what's coming. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it's The Birth of a Mythical Chi-Beast. Um, okay, so we're going to go do that real quick, and uh, we'll be right back. Cool. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. So, we just finished watching episode 21 of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger, The Birth of a Mythical Chi-Beast. Dave, uh, why don't you tell us what we just saw? Yeah, no sweat, Matt. Uh, what we just saw is that the title of this episode is Big Fat Lie, and we do not see the birth of the mythical Chi-Beast, and it's super disappointing and lame. Screw you. Yeah, no, it's, so it's <laughs> for all the times that they give us like really spot on titles that are huge spoilers for what happened in the episode. This one is just a lie. Like the birth of the mythical chibis does not happen as advertised. Yeah, what the heck? Um, yeah, I was really excited to see what was going to happen and they just did not deliver. I'm, I mean, okay, I assume we're going to see it next week. We are. Yeah, this is, uh, this is the first part of the sort of like two-part birth of the mythical chibis because 
the, what they should have called it was Birth of, Birth of a Mythical Chi-Beast Part 1. Yeah, I was going to say, man. But, at least, uh, you know, warn, warn someone that you're not going to deliver. Nope. No, they didn't. So, um, that's what we didn't see. What did we see, Dave? What happened this week? Okay. Uh, what we see is the continuing evolution of the conflict between Shadam and his son. His biological spawn, I guess. I'm not going to call him his son, Akamaru, and uh, the continuing evolution of the relationship between Ko and the other five rangers. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that works. Okay. So, um, when we start off, uh, we see someone we actually haven't been seeing much of recently. Um, it's Kaku. Yeah. Kaku is sort of meditating on a rock in or near a quarry, I imagine. Yeah, something. Um, and he is talking to, uh, he says two things. He says both the great cosmos and great nature. Yeah. Um, I'm going to chalk this up again to perhaps this not being the best translation. Oh, yeah. Because it's... Get back to us about this. It kind of doesn't... Yeah. It kind of <laughs> doesn't uh, reference the fact that he's saying this stuff. Um, anyway, as it turns out, the great nature is the source of all Kiryoku. Yeah. Uh, sort of in the same way that, like, you know, the Force exists in the universe. I think, like, you know, Kiryoku is the same thing, because as we've noted time and time again, this show is basically kind of Star Wars. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty accurate thing. I mean, even Kiryoku operates in, in many of the same ways. And so, that's kind of all we get from Kaku at this point. He's like, ah, great cosmos, something, something, something. That's kind of it, right? Like, we don't actually get much of anything. No, not much, because it's just him talking, and he's talking about the coming birth of the sixth Kaiden beast. Right. But again, like, no details. Just a sort of, like, it's happening soon. Yeah, it's 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 very much just a... Honestly, I think it's probably something for people who didn't see last week's episode. Like, if they missed a week... Yeah, that makes sense. This is just sort of setting the scene, like, hey, so there's great nature, and it is the source of all Kiryoku, <laughs> and it is creating another giant magic robot for us to use. Awesome. So, yeah, we actually... Speed? Cool, let's go. We do actually... It sets up pretty well, I think. It's at, uh, the origin, I guess, of the Kaiden Beasts, which we haven't known before. All we know is that they exist... But this yeah. episode, they kind of explain not just, you know, that they exist, but where they come from and why. So we'll, we'll get to that when the time is right. Yeah, we'll revisit that later in the episode. But that's, that's it for that scene. Yeah. And then we cut to a dream sequence that Ko is having. Mm hmm. And it's really is, weird. Yeah. So he's dreaming of his mother, who is sort of like by a river. Rather. And then. It it presages weirdness. Sorry. Yeah, they're they're by a river. My bad. Yeah, and like Ko is a little baby who is like he's across the street from her, like in a shop, and then sort of comes yeah. out and she looks up and is like, Oh hey Ko, come on over here. <laughs> oh, it's you. Right on. <laughs> Good to see ya. And I don't know. I'm willing to chalk this up to it being a dream sequence because if that is a real event that happened, that's not some that's pretty bad yeah, that's, mothering. That's not cool. Uh and then there's also like she has like an umbrella that she tosses away. Although you know, okay. To be to be fair, I will give I'll give Japan like some benefit of the doubt that apparently on like a uh like a world scale, I was reading about this semi recently, Americans are considered not just 
not just overly perhaps protective of their children, but like weirdly protective of their children. Like, the- oh yeah, that's totally true. And actually, like, I read it somewhere that like the crime rates in Japan are like absurdly low, They're crazy low. Yeah, I, I, this was years and years ago that I heard this, but yeah, like just. Like violent well, this crime. show was from years and years ago, well, too. Yeah, so, true. But, like, violent crime just kind of, like, like doesn't happen. Or, like, it, yeah. like it happens. So, I, like okay, so, so I will retract my previous statement because I guess the only real danger that ever happens in, uh, like, the Tokyo of Die Ranger is that there are giant robots right. fighting giant monsters and knocking over buildings. Which is a so concern. So if that's not happening at that moment... Then everything is probably yeah, like fine. Probably so cool. the kid can go wandering. Yeah. So um, she has like, you know, she turns around and she's like, oh, Ko, hooray. And then it immediately, they hug and he's like, mama. And she's like, Ko. And it's a happy moment. And then it immediately jumps over to the same scene that we've seen like a dozen times already of her like branding him with the tiger thing. But I noticed something new, Matt. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> like you see the shot and maybe they reshot it for this one or maybe I just never noticed it before but like the brand that she uses theoretically to like put this mark and goes on it doesn't actually touch his arm it just sort of like she hovers it over his arm in such a way that if you haven't watched it like a dozen times and are an adult you probably wouldn't notice yeah no that's absolutely true and it's not a reshoot it's just it, they just didn't shoot it well, and I don't know why. Like, it was right there, yeah. and I doubt that that thing was actually, like, in a fire. Like, there was right. no danger of burning that child. That's the thing. It's like, it's clearly a prop. Just put it on his arm. Who cares? Yeah. It's not going to okay. be like a, you know, this is not an actual problem, guys. You could have just hit him with the thing. Anyway, so... We we cut to that, and then Ko sort of wakes up in his weird hammock loft thing, screaming. Yeah, like you do, like you do. Uh, Biako, the sword, is like, "Hey, man, is everything all right?" And it's like, Ko what, dude, just chill out. <laughs> does not even respond. Just goes downstairs and walks out onto the balcony. Right, and uh, so Rin follows him out. I don't know why. She's like not even in bed. She's like fully dressed. Uh, uh, no, she's wearing her PJs. Oh, is she? Okay, right on. So it's sort of hard to tell sometimes because she has some weird outfits. Like yeah, later on in this episode, she's basically cosplaying as Blossom. Yeah. Dude, did I tell you? I'm I'm sure I told you this. Maybe I didn't. Anyways, um, I was at school, like I am, and there was a girl there, and she was just she was just dressed like Blossom. This is like a teenager, not ironically. Like, this was not, like, spirit day. She just woke up. And I don't, like, I don't know that she would have identified that. Like, I don't know that she had ever seen Blossom. You know she what I mean? She just woke up and said, where's my biggest hat, <laughs> my floralist shirt, yes! and my denimist dress? Yes, that is exactly what she was wearing. And she she had, like, a big, um, big glasses, but there were no lenses. Or at least not, like, prescription lenses. And, like, okay. hiking boots. It was full-on Blossom, and that is just what she wore that day. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So, um, okay. So, they're out on the porch, and <laughs> Wait, the balcony, Matt, rather. Matt. What? Just, what? I need you to stop for a moment <laughs> and acknowledge that, that whoa joke. 
It was, I mean, it was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I just, you didn't, you didn't, there was nothing. And it was so gold. I don't normally do this, of course. It was so gold in my mind. <laughs> like, that I I required the validation for it. If you've never seen and, and it was and it was a spot way. on Joey Lawrence. Yeah, if you've never seen Blossom by the way, Joey Lawrence is in the show and uh, to my memory the only thing he actually says in the show is whoa. Yeah, he just does that. I, in my memory it's sort of like he is a Pokemon and his name is Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's just all he does. He just walks in like whoa, whoa. Oh, that's true, Joey. Whoa. <laughs> Okay, Sorry. so, <laughs> so cut, Rin is cut there. to the balcony. So Rin is there, and uh, she's like, Ko, what's wrong? And like, Ko kind of like doesn't answer her. And she's like, oh, you're clearly bummed out. And here's what we're going to do to cheer you up. Tomorrow, let's go hiking. Right. And he is stoked. Oh, he is over the moon about hiking. Which, you know, like, more than I think any human being has ever been. Like, hiking is fun. But this dude, like, Ko, like, goes nuts. He's like, are we going to bring, like, bento boxes? Like, what are we going to bring? This is, like, this is the most exciting thing that has happened to him in a long time. Which is crazy, because this kid is the Kiba Ranger. Like, this kid literally got superpowers, like, two weeks ago. And he's, yeah, on and the this surface, hike is at the least. biggest thing in his life right, right on now. the surface, he's definitely more excited about going on this hike. And then he sort of looks up at Rin, and she sort of, like, it, like, fades out of Rin, and then you see his mother in the same, like, spot. And so clearly, I think we're meant to understand that Ko is having some, like, maternal feelings about yep. Rin. And this is super weird because... Super weird. In previous episodes, as we have mentioned time and time again, he does nothing but, like, sexually assault Rin. Yeah, like, dude. all the time. Yeah, Freud would have so a the field idea day that with he this is kid. also feeling, like... Like, you know, maternal love, or, like, you know, like, the love, not the love of a mother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thinking of her as a mother figure, I guess is what I mean to say. Um, yeah, that it just dials up the creep factor from, like, 1 to 100 real quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As I, yeah, Freud would just have a field day with this kid. Like, he goes crazy. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I don't. I, I feel like it's meant to be sweet, but it it does not come off. No, that it way. does not. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> all right. Let's um, see. So that's we? all that happens. That that scene sort of fades out, and then we cut to another rooftop, same night, mm-hmm. and Kamaru is creeping. Yeah, he's straight up creeping on Ko, and he is like looking down on him. I I don't know where he is in relation to Ko. He seems to be able to see or hear him. I don't know if it's because he's close or if he's using, you know, like, magic scrying or whatever. You know, I uh, I get the impression that he, like, the Goma have some sort of, like, long-range surveillance. Because we see a fair amount of this. Yeah, and so he is watching Ko and, like, well, you know, like, live it up now. Enjoy your life because soon I'm going to destroy you. And he's up there with the Ring Priestess. And the Ring Priestess is like, okay... We want to kill him. I've got this. He murdered both of my sisters. Right. I'm very upset about it. Very upset. Uh, and so I will be the one to destroy him. I swear by my hand, which she says. And then later in the episode, I don't know if it's like a weird translation thing or if it's like a motif, but she swears by her hand to kill him. Later on, Shadam swears by his hand to kill Akamaru. 
And then after that, Akamaru swears by his hand to kill Shadam. So there's just a lot of hand swearing yeah, uh, in this episode. You know, man, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so she is upset because this child has murdered her sisters. Um, which, listen, I mean, they were, they're bad people, but I get it. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm there. That's fine. She's got legitimate beef. I mean, fine, I guess, but because she is a monster and her sisters were monsters and it is, you know, for the good of the entire human race that they died. But I understand her desire for revenge, you know. Absolutely. Okay. So we cut from there to just a room somewhere where the three Gomo commanders are hanging out. There's like some bars, like jail cell bars looking thing that they're standing behind. I don't know. I real okay. I don't know. I gotta be Later honest, we'll Matt. see an exterior shot of this, and it's just like a building somewhere in town. Dude, I am fairly convinced that despite the fact that this show has been on at what well, the time it had been on for what, like twenty odd years, right? Uh this was the seventeenth season. Okay, so seventeenth despite the fact that this show is like clearly super popular and had been on for like seventeen years, they just seem to have a lot of difficulty getting like filming locations. Cause it definitely seems as though they just sort of film wherever they can like wherever someone will let them right there are like five spots that we see over and over again like later on this episode we're going to be in like an outdoor amphitheater Mm -hmm. and we have been to that outdoor amphitheater before um with the kabuki kid yeah and it's an i have also seen that same amphitheater in other um super sentai shows like, as recently as I know it was in a few episodes of um, Shinkenji. Oh, no kidding. Okay. So, they just have these spots that they keep going back to. Um, but what's weird is that, like, the bad guys just don't seem to have a headquarters. Yeah. You know? Like, the good guys have murder basement. Right. Which sounds like a bad guy headquarters, but it isn't. Um, also, because that's not its actual name. Right. It doesn't have a name. Uh, which, which I kind of forget sometimes. Well, it doesn't have a name. They never, they don't talk about it. It's just, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, and in, but like in other series, the bad guys always have, you know, like they're on a spaceship or they have like a temple somewhere where they're hanging out. But in this one, they just sort of like find empty places and hang out in there until the next episode. So it, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Yes, that it, is true. <laughs> so in random filming location number 247, they're just hanging out and watching a video on, like, another one of those, like, Jedi holocrons that uh, Shadam had in the last episode. It's just like an acrylic ball that's in, like, a little pillow. Yeah, and it's not, like, projecting anywhere. They're just all crowded around this tiny acrylic ball, like, watching a weird, like, view screen projector inside of it. Dude, I don't, yeah. Uh, So, they're watching, and it seems as though it's kind of showing them, like, visions of the future, because we are definitely seeing, like, we are seeing the birth of the new Kaiden Beast. Yeah, like, we see its head, we see its claws, we see, I don't know, we might see its tail or something. I I think we just see the head and the claws, actually. Um, and when it shows up on the screen in the tiny ball, like, the three Goma commanders, like, freak out and, like, jump away from the ball <laughs> as though it was going to be, like, coming out and attacking them. Yeah. Yes. Um. <laughs> so, like, oh, it's the sixth Kaiden beast. And then Zaido says something stupid because they just, okay, so it's the Kiba Ranger, right? Mm-hmm. 
Like, he's a tiger dude. Right. Clearly. He's got a tiger helmet and a tiger sword. And they just looked at this thing. Yeah. He's got a giant tiger logo on his chest. Yeah. And they just watched this thing that was clearly a big robot tiger. Mm -hmm. Like, there's the dragon ranger. He has a dragon. There is the uh, ho-ho ranger, which is the phoenix. And she's got, like, the big phoenix thing. Yeah. This is the Tiger Ranger. They just saw a Tiger robot. And then Zydo says, I wonder what form the sixth Kaiden Beast will take. When he literally just, like, two seconds ago looked away from the screen, like, because he saw a giant tiger head. And then Shadam was like, I don't know what it's going to be. Like, yes, you do. You 100% do. And I know this because in the last episode... You projected a big thing to show uh, Goma the 15th, and it had the schematics for a giant robot tiger. <laughs> I, 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 like, did Shadam see the previous episode? Dude, did he forget? I think he was so focused, so focused on Goma, he wasn't watching the projection. Oh, I also, sorry, Matt, I said it was on his chest. It's not on his chest. It's just like a little stylized thing. It's his helmet, of course. His helmet is a tiger face. Yeah. So, Okay. So they are freaking out over the thing that is definitely a tiger that they somehow did not recognize. I, yes. Um, and Shadam says, like, okay, we're in trouble if this thing gets born, right? Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, the fact that a giant magical robot is being born somehow is kind of weird. But again, we'll get to that in maybe even the next scene or two. Um. But he says it's okay because the way that it works is that all five of the main die rangers have to be in like the birthing ground at the right time for the Kaiden beast to be summoned. And if they're not all there, then it won't happen and like we'll never have to fight the sixth Kaiden beast. Yeah, which I don't know, that's kind of weird. Eh, you know, it's like a weird ancient magical prophecy thing. Um but he says that the Die Rangers and Kaku don't yet know that that is what the deal is. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably not going to be, like, on guard against an attack along those lines. So what they're going to do is just take out one Ranger and then just sort of, like, sit back and let the whole thing blow over. Yeah. Which is actually a pretty good, like, that's good planning on their part. Yeah, and the only thing that they say that can get in their way at this point is a Kamaru messing with their plans. And this is when Shadam says, oh, well, if he does that, I'll just kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like, yeah, with this hand, I think is what he says. He says, I will end him with this hand. And he, like, holds up his hand, which I always forget. He has, like, claws on the gloves, but they're painted, like, like metallic teal, which is... Yeah, it looks like he has, like, weird fingernails on top of his gloves. Which means one of two things. Either there are fingernails on those gloves, or two, he's not wearing gloves, and those are his weird monster Goma hands. I don't. And I'm not sure which is more upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a toughie. In any, in any case, it's a bold look from a man covered in bold looks. That is, I think that's an excellent way to describe that, Matt. Bold looks. Okay. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of it. Like we fade out there. And then the next thing we see is Ko and Rin. Yeah, it's the next morning, and they are walking out of their apartment building. They've got all their stuff packed to go camping, or hiking, rather. Right. And just as they hit the road, 
a van pulls up and like all of the doors open and it's the rest of the Die Rangers. Right. And like, you know, Shoji's driving and they're all sort of sitting in the back. Yeah. And Rid is like, hey, Code, look, it's the rest of the Rangers. Guys, I thought you were going to make it. And they're like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, we wouldn't have missed it. Traffic was just bad. And Ko is, like, furious. Yeah, I guess he thought that this was going to be, like, special time alone with him and Ren, which I don't know if he wanted because, like, he's a creeper or if it's because he wanted to, like, pretend he was having some, like, son-mother time. Either version is entirely plausible. So, anyway... He is furious. He's like, no, I don't want to go hiking. You're all idiots. It's I'm like, out of here. Yeah. I, like, it just runs. Which, and he totally gets away from them. And I am curious as to how, like, an 11-year-old boy consistently outruns the other Die Rangers. Yeah, especially when they're in a car. Well, but I mean, whatever. he's, like, running through a park. They couldn't take the car through the park. But, like, they're the Rangers, man. Like, these guys are all, like, kung fu. Like, they have low-grade superpowers. I mean, so does he, but they also do. You would think that they would be able to run him down. They can't. they don't. Or they no, don't. No, he gets, like, well ahead of them, and that's when he shows up back in this, uh, the amphitheater, which I'd referenced earlier. Right, Kabuki Boy is the last time we saw it. So he sits down on one of the benches, and he started crying, and he's upset with them, and then Biako like, pokes his head out from the vest, and is like, hey, is this really something to be that upset about? Like, you are probably making a mistake here and as he's sort of confronting that thought we hear the sound of uh, a Kamaru's noisemaker so he hears the sound and he looks up and sure enough it's a Kamaru being pulled in on his rickshaw and the ring priestess is in tow she's not in her monster form she's still in her human form and they just start going off on ko like i'm going to kill you i hate you you were abandoned by your mother like me and yet you don't you're not filled with hate and that disgusts me? Well, from what he says, Matt, I it's not, I think, that he's so much, like, disgusted. I don't remember the exact quote, but he doesn't even care if I, if uh, Ko is the Kiba Ranger anymore. He says, he's like, I don't even care if you're the Kiba Ranger. I just, like, I just want someone to share my hate. Like, it doesn't, like, and it's actually kind of a, like, I know this, like, you know, this is kind of a goofy show, but it's like a really, like, kind of intense moment. Where it's like this poor kid, just he doesn't want to be alone in his hatred of his parents. Like he wants someone else to hate their parents the same way he does. So he's not, you know. Yeah, but okay. Here's the weird thing, though, because he says, "I don't even care if you're the Keeper Ranger." But like he knows now, he knows that he's the Keeper Ranger. Like the Ring Priestess fought him last week and watched him transform. They one hundred percent know who this kid is. <laughs> It's true. Like, well, maybe he's like, I no know, but I don't care to anymore. to introduce, like, some sort of doubt back into this. It's no longer a secret. Like, it's a secret to the Die Rangers, but Akamaru and the Ring Priestess, like, know firsthand, like, yes, 100%, this is the dude. Okay, so he sicks the Ring Priestess on her. Him, rather. Uh-huh. She, you know, blows him up and kicks him and is about to gouge his eyes out and, uh... Lo and behold, Ryu finally catches up with them. Yeah. You know, flying jump kick, knocks her away, the whole business. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, there's basically a fight. Like, there's nothing too terribly interesting. Like, they fight, 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 fight. The other rangers show up. And then, yeah, the other uh, rangers show up and they all transform. And then the 
Toe transforms into the Kiba Ranger. You know, he sort of like snuck behind something and he comes back. Yeah. And then, okay, this is, this is where cool I want move. to take a brief digression. Because oh, what okay. happens next is that the Ring Priestess says, it doesn't matter how many of you there are because, like, I'm going to beat you anyway. And then she does this thing where she summons the, like, angry ghosts of her dead sisters to fight alongside her. Which is, uh, that's weird, man. It's pretty creepy, but it's also a totally baller move because they're like, aha, now we've got you. We've c- killed off your two sisters. She's like, no, no, they're still right here. Yeah, we got and now you. they've got like weird, like not only do they have weird monster powers, they also have weird ghost powers. So get dunked. Yeah. Well, dude, the way that she says it though, it's kind of strange because it makes it sound as though maybe like her sisters were like, you know, just kind of chilling in like the Goma afterlife or whatever. And she, like, summons them up to be, like, vengeful ghosts. But it's just, like, I don't know. It's weird. Because it, it seems as though, like, maybe you should not have condemned your sisters to, like, an eternity of being vengeful ghosts. Maybe you could have just let them, you know, be dead. I don't know, man. Okay, so here is what I'm going to uh, take a digression into. Okay, go. You know a few weeks ago I said that I was going to be watching the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Yeah. To see sort of how the monsters stack up, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the ring, pre- the three priestesses do show up, but not in the same way at all. Okay. So they're in the two-parter episode, um, the White Light, I think it's called, which is when Tommy comes back as the White Ranger. Oh, red. But it's it's basically set like one monster that summons the other two monsters. And so instead of being three sisters, it is just the ring priestess. Okay. And her name in the episode is Nimrod the Scarlet Sentinel. Oh, dang. I feel like we, um, I feel like we won that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a cool name. I think it's also a cool name that they just directly stole from an X-Men comic. Who cares? There's a statue of a fist, mm-hmm. like sitting in Angel Grove Park that Lord Zed zaps. And after it, like, foams with green ooze for a while, it turns into Nimrod the Scarlet Sentinel, right? <laughs> okay. And so she is fighting with the Power Rangers. And then she does the thing where she summons the two um, ghosts of her sisters. But in this, they're not her sisters. They are her helpers named AC and DC. Okay. There's no reason as to why they're called AC and DC. That's just... Uh, they just are. So instead of the three... Instead of being, like, three sisters that are, like, a fairly prominent part of about, like, five or six episodes, like, right during a pretty major storyline, they are a statue that comes to life named after an X-Men villain that can summon, like, two other people who are named after, like, types of electricity, even though nothing they do has anything to do with electricity. Matt, I do not... I cannot decide which one of those is better. I think they are equally good. They are, yeah. It's it was a hoot. Like it was a fun thing to watch, but it was so <laughs> weird. Especially because, you know, like there's no good footage of the Power Rangers fighting them. And so like it all was sort of like cut around in these sort of weird ways. Anyway, it's I did, yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see that would really be a problem. Watching it now from the perspective of having seen it in Die Ranger, it is insane. Okay, so that is my <laughs> brief digression into the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Let's get back to Die Ranger. Okay. So, uh basically the fight is just continuing. It's not, you know, 
there's nothing particularly interesting happening. It's just a fight. But then, then, Shadam interrupts the fight. Shadam shows up with the other Goma commanders, just, like, knocks the snot out of everybody. Like, everybody involved. The ring priestess, Akamaru, the rangers, like, does not care. Yeah, he's blowing stuff up. He's snarling at people. And then they and then they kidnap Ryu. Yeah, they zap him with like lightning whips and like lift him up in the air yeah. and say, "Aha, we're taking you." Mm-hmm. And then Ryu just disappears. Then Shadam laughs and he disappears. And Akamaru was upset and he and the ring priestess disappear. And then the other rangers are just like, "Um, wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not really trying to deal with it. Oh, no, sorry, I missed a step. Um, Shadam says, now the sixth beast can't be born. And then he laughs and gets That's right. So we cut from there back to Murder Basement HQ Extraordinaire. Yep. Where Kaku is sort of sitting with his eyes closed, you know, legs crossed. And uh, the other rangers, but particularly Shoji, are just like berating him. They're just angry that he hasn't kind of filled them in on what's happening. Yeah, it's like, why did you not tell us that there was going to be a sixth Kaiden beast? Yeah, man. And why did you not tell us, like, we all needed to be there for it? Like, this would have been really valuable information to have. And, like, in a lot of cases like this, they are 100% right. And Kaku has just done a terrible job of mentoring them. (laughs) And what he says, basically, is that, like, he only sort of just found out. Like, that was part of his meditating in the beginning of the episode. Right. Is he was, like, communicating with the great nature, which is... The source of all Kirioku and gives birth to the Kaiden beasts, etc. Okay, so this is, we said we were going to get back to it, and here we are. It turns out that the Kaiden beasts are basically, they're like antibodies, as far as we can tell. Like, great nature produces Kaiden beasts to fight against uh, Yoryoku. Yeah, and so now that, like, the Goma have sort of stepped up their game and Akamaru is there and, like, there's a lot more stuff to deal with, like, Great Nature, who doesn't have, like, a, a body or a voice or anything. Again, it's, it's just sort of like, like this the force. concept. Yeah. Like, Great Nature has seen fit to create yet another Kaiden beast to sort of even the odds. Yeah. Which, which is actually really cool, I think. Yeah, no, I really, I kind of dig the idea. Uh, my notes just say Captain Planet style. You know, like they're all kind of, they exist to help protect nature. You know, speak, why is there not a live action Captain Planet movie? Like, what's up with that? I, I feel like we're going to get one eventually. I mean, they're working on a gem movie. We've gotten, you know, I think they're working on a third G.I. Joe movie right now. Eventually, they're going to run out of 80s cartoons and start moving into 90s cartoons. Dude. I would be, okay, actually, hold up, hold up, Captain Planet and the Planeteers, movie in the works from Sony exclusive, Uh, this is uh, from 2013, so, you know, we'll see, but... Okay, well, I I guess we will keep you posted on that. (laughs) Tune into our... Dude, I'll go watch it. Tune into our some... Captain Planet podcast, I which see some... will never exist. Yeah, man, we we definitely do not need a Captain Planet podcast. <laughs> no, no, we <laughs> certainly do not. Okay, so Captain Planet aside, we are finishing up this scene. Um, Kaku is telling them basically what we the you know the onlookers already knew 
which is that they need to go rescue Ryu because tomorrow at high noon, the Kaiden Beast is going to be born. I like that it's high noon. It's not noon. It's high noon. You know, I mean, in case you've got to get a gunfight in there as well. Um, <laughs> that was precisely my thought. So tomorrow at high noon, they all need to go to the birthing place, the name of which I did not bother to write down. Yeah, I didn't. Um, and so at all costs, they need to go rescue Ryu because basically if they don't do it now, that's like, it. That's it. Like, they have one shot to get this Kaiden Beast born, and otherwise, like, they're just going to be out a Kaiden Beast, which no one's going to like. Right. Well, I mean, I guess that Goma would like it, but none of our heroes would like it, and that's what's important. So, um, then they cut to commercial break, and when they come back... What we see is Akamaru, and he is there within, like, the aforementioned, like, jail building or whatever, with the other Goma commanders... And he is pissed. Like, he is super angry at Shadam. Yeah, and they're shouting back and forth. And Shadam, like, picks him up by the by his collar and is about to punch him. And Akamaru is like, would you punch your own son, like someone who shares your blood? And Shadam is just like, kid, you don't get it. Yeah, like, not only do I not love you, I didn't even mo- love you in the moment of your birth. Like, I have always hated you, that is what it means to be a Goma, and then just backhands him across the room and, like, breaks a bunch of furniture when he lands. <laughs> so Akimaru jumps up, and he's like, oh, that is it. Like, and uh he swears, he says, I swear to obliterate you, I think, with this hand, or something like that. Yep, yep. So Akamaru, he runs off. He runs outside, and is like, "Aha! Now, like, now I get it. Now I know I will never trust anyone. Not my father. Not like you know, Gorman the Fifteenth. Right? Probably not anyone ever. So uh, it is time to get down to the business of Akamaru. I had a realization, Matt. And what's that, Dave? So is Shotam just being a good Goma dad? Oh my gosh, you might be right. I, he might yeah. be like the Goma father of the year. Yeah, Shadam is like the Goma dad of the year. Like, he has absolutely brought his son up to be like a great Goma. He is like filled with hatred and powerful and like all of these things as a yeah. direct result of the way that his father like treats and interacts with him. So, he, I am wow. choosing to well, believe... You know. Sure. Right. I this is all calculated on Shadam's part. Like this is not I mean he probably does hate his son because he's a goma and they're powered by hatred. Sure. But it is No, uh, that is that is brilliant, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Shadam, goma dad of the year. <laughs> I really want to get that mug. <laughs> goma dad of the year. So we cut to Rin, and Rin is out looking for Ryu, doing it in the dumbest way possible. She's just running around <laughs> shouting his name. Yeah, just as wandering he the wasn't city. Kid- like, like, as though he wasn't kidnapped, he was just sort of like, you know, he'd left his phone at home and they need to find him, so she's just going to run around <laughs> and see if she bumps into him. Like, you're not just going to bump into him. He was kidnapped by the Goma. He's not just like at the ice cream shop. Right. It would be surprising if you see the ice cream shop. These guys love ice cream. But yeah. And, uh, and you see Ren. She's like, Ryu! Ryu! And then she runs across Ko and Ko's like, hey, did you find him? 
Which is also a dumb question. Of course she didn't find him. If she found him, why would she still be yelling his name? Yeah, and then she responds like, oh, did you know that he'd been kidnapped? Which is actually a legit question because yeah, Ko yeah, was not Ko there. sort of like tipped his hand a little bit there. Yeah, but, uh, but luckily for him, or I guess I don't know why it's luckily for him because there's still no good reason for the other rangers to not know his identity. Yeah, it's this like bizarre affectation. Like it has no consequence in the story whatsoever. And so she's like, no, we haven't found him. We're still looking for him. And then she says... Just to sort of, like, make Ko feel sadder, I guess. The idea for going hiking was not Rand's, but was actually reused because he knew that Ko was sad and he cared about him. So it wasn't him horning in on, you know, the time that Ko is going to be spending with Rin. That was actually Ryu's idea to sort of, like, cheer him up. So now Ko feels even worse. Yeah, because not only was he a jerk to Ryu, he was a jerk to the guy who was trying to be, like, extra special nice to him. And he feels guilty that Ryu got kidnapped because if Ryu hadn't had to, like, come save him from the ring priestess, then, you know, he wouldn't have been caught off guard and so on and so forth. So as they're standing there having this discussion, like a payphone rings, Rin just walks over, picks it up, and it's Akamaru. And he's like, hey, I know Ko is there. Let me talk to him. Which, again, is sort no, of... Here, no, here's what he does, because this is amazing. Um... Rin picks up the phone and she says, hello. And a Kamaru doesn't say like, yes, this is a Kamaru and like, blah, blah, blah. He just says, it's me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he just assumes that she will so, know. So he's like, it's me. I know Ko's there. Hand him the phone. Oh, and by the way, he is calling from his rickshaw. I guess he has like a car phone installed there or something. Dude, I don't know. Uh, it's great though, because he's just sort of like want like being pulled through the woods on his rickshaw, sort of in the fog, like on his phone calling Ko, and he's calling him to tell him that he knows where Ryu is. Now this is stupid because it's going to let them save Ryu, but he is so upset with Shadam that he is willing to do anything to ruin his right. plans, even if it is. Like a really dumb thing that will ultimately right. come back and bite him. So there is something I do want to say here is he tells him, he's like, this is where he is. He's on the hell planes. That's what he says. That's where they're holding Ryu on the hell planes. And I'm like, dude, this is about to get nuts. Like we're going to see some like interdimensional travel to like the realm of the Goma where they've kidnapped him and like blah, blah, blah. No, no, the hell planes are in a quarry. Yep. <laughs> it's like they are we, just the same quarry. Like, guys, come on, man. You threw hell planes out there, like that's where you're holding him, and it's just in a quarry. It's not even like a quarry in like the Goma realm. It's literally just the quarry. Like they yeah, just put walk a red there. filter on the camera or something. Something. Put in some effort. Because they did Grid and Co just walk there. They don't even have to like do anything. It's just like around the corner. So they go to the hell plane, and Ryu is chained up, and he is chained up on Gara's stupid trap circle from uh, a few episodes back. <laughs> from Kabuki Boy. I think. Was that from Kabuki Boy? I thought it was. Oh, maybe no, not, but whatever No, it's no, no. That, that was from the episode, it was one of the uh, Kujiku episodes. Oh, that's right. That's right. With, oh, that's uh, right, because the they're puppet. trying to trap Kujiku, and they do, because whatever. Yeah. So they've got Ryu chained up on his, like, stupid binding circle. And uh, 
it's like a sunny day out, but Ryu looks fine. Like he's not even literally not even sweating. Like he's okay. And then yeah. <laughs> like they're like blah blah like taunting, taunting, taunting. And then you see like a little more sweat like on his face. And then you see the sun and then a little more sweat and then the sun and then it cuts back and Ryu is just like, just just kill me quickly. Uh, yeah, like, kill me now. The exposure, it's too much. It's like, dude, you've been there for, like, fine. You've been there for, like, ten like, minutes. A, you've been chained up for ten minutes. Not even B, ten. no one else seems that hot. And, like, and everyone else is going to show up to the same plane soon. And they're not going to be remarking on the heat. It's just the quarry. Yeah. It's just the same quarry. That they're it's not, in like, all a the particularly time. hot day, but he is, like, sweating to death. And within ten minutes, like, begging for Gara to end him. <laughs> like a mercy killing. And so she pulls out her sword and is about to when Rin and Ko show up. Yeah. So, uh, Rin, you know, they yell back and forth. Um... Rin is like, Ko, get out of here. And so she's fighting. Oh, they summon some Kotopotoro. Rin's fighting the Kotopotoro. The other rangers show up. They, and this is great. This is so good. So the other rangers show up. And they're like, everybody, tension now. Like, everybody aura change. So they, like, go through the thing. And they, like, aura change. And they, like, do the whole spiel. They're like, I'm Shoji. And I'm, you know, like, Daigo, like, blah, 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 blah. And they, like, go through the pose. And they're like, and there are shining in the heavens. There are five stars for missing one. And then, like, the Kiva Ranger jumps out. And he's like, no, guys, there's definitely another star. Like, I am with you. And, like, he jumps down. And he goes into, like, a kung fu pose. And they're all, like, standing there. And then we cut to Shottam. And Shottam just gives them this look. Like, seriously? Like, you idiots. Yeah, they just cut to him and he's like, oh. Right, it's so disdainful. It's, it is amazing. And then, like, Ko tries to, like, save it. Like, your heads are being held too high. Prepare to fight. And Shana was just like, stop screwing around. Yeah, and then the Gobo Bricks commanders proceed to ruin them. Yeah, because, like, we see their plans fail all the time, so we sort of forget it when we don't see it for a few episodes. But the three Goma commanders are, like, way more powerful than the Die Rangers. Dude, it's not even a fight. They're just, like, blowing them up and knocking them all over the place. And, like, Rin tries to get to Ryu to free him because, like, you know, like, the Earth is starting to shake. Like, it is getting towards the time that the sixth Kaiden beast is supposed to be born, and they're not at this spot yet. Dude. And then... I just, okay, so, like, there's this earthquake happening, right? Yeah. Which is the indicator that things are getting serious. And Ryu, like, looks around, he's like, Whoa, what's happening? It's like, Ryu, dude, what do you think is happening? Like, literally. Well, to be fair, Ryu wasn't there for the brief. Oh, okay. So he actually might not know that there's another Kaiden beast Or, coming. you know, I actually, I forgot about that. My bad. Just looking for an excuse to make Which fun I'm of you. sure means that, like, I'm sure he's super confused. Yeah, I imagine. That like, he, he doesn't does know why he's been, like, you know, he knows he's been kidnapped because he's the ranger, but, like, he doesn't know specifically what the plan is. He doesn't know why they're, like, you know, there is an earthquake. There's just a lot of stuff going on, and Ryu is just chained to a stupid trap circle in the middle of a quarry, just with no idea what is going on. Yeah. Um, 
This and that's it. Remind- that's the episode. Yeah. Dude, this does remind me of something. If you haven't seen these, Matt, look this up. Because uh, because it's an earthquake, right? How they actually do it, how they indicate the earthquake to us, the viewers, is that the Rangers just kind of keep doing their same old stuff they're doing, but they shake the camera around a lot, right? Yeah. And this is an effect that a lot of people use to indicate, you know, that the starship or the plane or whatever is, like, being blown out of the sky. But (laughs) look up sometime. It's on YouTube somewhere. Um, Stabilized Star Trek. Okay. What somebody did is they got, like, footage from Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation and uh, stabilized it. So they basically eliminated the shaking... And so you just see the original movement that the actors are making. So it's just a still camera and all of a sudden everyone falls over. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. It's it's so funny. <laughs> it is it's just okay. I uh I don't know if you know this, and uh ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar, Sir Patrick Stewart is one of the great actors of our generation. He's part of the Royal Shakespeare Society. Um, you know, he's this kind of, he's this amazing actor. Um and he you know, like he got his sort of big theme start playing Jean Luc Picard, as I'm sure you know. But like it's so and okay, I'm not a Star Wars guy, so maybe I'm not making like the best judgment here because I don't really dig Star Wars. Or I'm sorry, Star Trek. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Let me jump that back a minute. Dude, I told you I was tired. I think that just illustrated to you how tired I am. <laughs> I am not really a Star Trek guy. Like, I, don't, I don't dislike it. But I'm not like, yeah, you know. Uh, but Star Trek The Next Generation is, like, so below Sir Patrick Stewart in terms of, like, his, like, gravitas and power as an actor. And just to see him, like, shaking around like an idiot in the captain's chair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry, but it is pretty fantastic. Well, you know, it's... I, I wouldn't say it's beneath him. I, I think he elevates the show. Um, you know what, Matt? That is a much better way to say that. Thank you. The because uh, I've I've heard some interviews with him, and we will get back to this episode in just a second because uh, we do we're right at the end of it, so we need to wrap this up. Um, but I've listened to a few episodes, and apparently, like in the first season or so of the show, like Patrick Stewart also felt it was kind of below him mm-hmm. and was like sort of a like just kind of terrible to work with, not because he was like a jerk, but because he was, like, very, very serious, and everyone else was trying to have a good time. Right. And then at some point, I forget what it was that happened, but, like, he just sort of realized, like, oh, no, 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 I should be having fun with all of these other cool people. And then just, like, apparently from that point on, like, that cast has just been, like, best friends forever. Well, you know what? That is super awesome. Um. Yeah, that's Okay, rad. okay, so, Star Trek aside, uh... Captain Planet aside, all the other things that we've been referencing aside. All the other asides aside. Um, uh, back to Die Ranger, the show that we're all here to talk about. So it's the <laughs> end of the episode, Dave. Yes. Um, it ends on a cliffhanger. It sort of cuts to Kaku, who is meditating. And then it's like, oh, will they do it in time? Yes, and that's it, right? So, Dave, what is your high point this week? Uh, my high point, Matt, is uh, Goma Dad of the Year. That is my Goma favorite. Goma Dad of the Year. Goma Dad of the Year. It's so good. It was like the moment I was just like, he's being the perfect Goma Dad. This is exactly what Goma Dad does. 
Dude, I don't know if we have enough listeners to have one that uh, likes to do fan art for things, but I would love to see a picture of Gumba number one dad. <laughs> yes. This is the sort of thing that makes me wish that our show was bigger so that we could have merch and we could sell mugs. Because um, I, I just want one, and I don't have an excuse to make one otherwise. Right. Okay, so um, let's see. What was your low point this week? Uh, Matt, my low point of this episode is Ko's weird, like, Oedipal relationship with Rin. It's creepy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> that su- just super weird. <laughs> kind of puts like a whole kind of strange dark spin on everything that's been happening with Rin and Ko so far, you know? Yeah, man, it's, I, I'm not really sure what to do with it. Yeah. I'm hoping if we just sort of ignore it, it'll go away after a few <laughs> right. episodes. It went from like reprehensible to like deeply disturbing. Yeah, that was a, that was a sharp turn <laughs> and not in a good direction. <laughs> All right, man. Well, how about you? High points? Uh, I think my high point was the, uh, we got a little more mythology this week. We figured out some stuff about the creation of the Kaiden beasts oh, and that is the source cool. of Kiryoku. Um, it's neat. I always like that stuff. Um, that's whenever I, ha- I have the option, that's usually going to be my high point, I think, unless we get something like a, you know, a magical rock band illusion attack. Right. Um, and then let's see. My low point this week is just sort of Rin being dumb, <laughs> like running around trying to find Ryu as though he was, you know, <laughs> just getting ice cream, just waiting around to be found. <laughs> <laughs> um you know it's been 21 episodes she should she should be no better by now yeah that is that's a good point man okay so i think that's going to do it for another episode of live and let die ranger uh before we finish up here i'd like to remind you you can email the show at super sentai brothers at gmail.com if you want to get updates on future episodes check out the pictures i put up um those are all going to be on twitter at super sentai bros if you like the show, remember that Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Um, that's what's going to help other people find the show. Uh, speaking of other people finding the show, Dave, last week was our biggest like week of downloads of all time. No kidding. Yeah. That's so, awesome. So, um, you know, if you are a new listener, welcome. I don't know where you came from, but I'm glad you're here. Yeah, man. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Yuri-ju! Tama no kara da